Several years ago when we were still living in Florida, we uh, were asked, I was asked to do a wedding. It was, it was nice to be asked because this was a couple that we really liked. And, and they were going to have their wedding at the beginning of a dinner cruise. Okay, so they had the wedding and then we all, the reception was the dinner cruise. And it was supposed to last about two hours and it lasted about three and a half hours. Okay, I thought we were never going to get off of that boat. All right, but anyway, beyond that, it was a nice evening because... They have several relatives that are ministers, different kinds of churches, and they sort of sat us and another preacher friend all at the same table, which was, it was sort of interesting because we had a lot of good conversation and it was nice. And after talking to them for a little while, a couple of these, these folks at the table, I recognized that the, the churches that they came from come from a similar historic Christian tradition, all right? And, and I mentioned that, and they both looked at me like I was completely nuts, and then began to explain to me the clear differences between their churches, okay? And when they were done, I still had no idea how they were different, okay? It just didn't make any sense to me. They seemed the same to me, all right? Now, that happens, I think, with lots of... If you look at our movement and the branches of our movement and then explain that to other people, they can look at you like, I, I don't really understand what you're talking about. But we're pretty good at identifying... I mean, and I mean this in terms of humanity, not just our church, but we're pretty good at identifying how we as human beings are different from other human beings, right? It's not hard for us to find out how we're divided from someone. Sometimes that has to do with our understanding of Christianity or in a wider sphere, religion. Sometimes it has to do with our understanding of race or politics or sexuality or gender. Or We could name a whole list of things that divide us from other people. And the unfortunate thing in that, especially in the culture in which we're in now, is, is just how much that keeps us separated from people, right? And social media only reinforces this because we tend to emphasize our differences because we're not looking people face-to-face, eye-to-eye, right? So we, we, I, we emphasize just how different we are from people and how stupid they are for not agreeing with us, right? Okay. So we do that, and then we're separated. We are divided from people. Maybe some of those people are fellow Christians. Maybe some of those people are not Christians, but the divisions are there, and so we don't communicate and we don't cooperate, and today we bring to, a, uh, to an end the series that we're calling Divided. And I want us to think about, okay, we, we, we've discussed how we have some communication and how we, we begin to approach one another, how we share the gospel, all those things. But, but today I want us to think about how we can work together. How do we work together with people that and on the outset it sort of seems like we're pretty divided. And to do that, I'd like to turn to a passage in Mark chapter 9. Now, what I'd really love for you to do sometime this afternoon, not now, if you don't mind, but sometime this afternoon, read through the ninth chapter of the gospel of Mark, because it all sort of fits together. Mark tells us this story in a way that, that it makes sense together, and I can only bring out the highlights. But the context here is that the disciples are struggling to understand Jesus. Okay, Jesus for the second time, and this is the second of three times, Jesus is going to say, listen, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to be raised from the dead. Okay, you would think that was big news, right? You would think that the disciples might have some questions about that, might follow up a little bit on that comment, but they don't. 
They don't really seem to notice what Jesus is saying. In fact, the very next thing that happens is some of the disciples are concerned about who's going to be in charge in the kingdom. Now, Jesus, we know you're in charge, but who gets to be second in command? Who gets the places that are the most honorable, Jesus? So you get the picture there. Jesus says, I'm going to die, okay, and then be raised back to life. And all anybody can say is, hey, am I going to get a good seat at the table, Jesus? They've missed the point. And so we move from that story to verse 38. Jesus just said, if you want to be first, you're going to be last. Last will be first. First will be last. And then this. Teacher, said John. And this is John. John, the one who wrote the Gospel of John. Jesus, sort of closest disciple. All right, he's close to Jesus. And he totally misses the point. Teacher, said John. We saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop. Because he was not one of us. Aren't you proud, Jesus? We're shutting down the competition. Now notice that it doesn't say we saw someone attempting to cast out demons in your name. It doesn't say we saw someone try to perform a miracle in your name and they failed, Jesus. So, man, we shut them down. They're not allowed to use your name anymore. Well, what they say, what John says here is, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. They were successful. This is a person who believes in the power of the name of Jesus and was proclaiming that name to do powerful things. Now, again, this is part of the reason I want you to read through Mark chapter 9. Earlier in the chapter, we've just been through the most magnificent moment in Jesus' ministry, the transfiguration, okay? Where Jesus is like, he looks totally different. You've got Moses and Elijah there. I mean, the Spirit of God is present. You've got three of the disciples, John, one of them, standing there with him. They are amazed at all of this. This is a powerful, powerful moment. He comes down the mountain, and maybe you remember what happens next. A man comes up and says, Jesus... I needed your, your, your disciples to cast out a demon. And they couldn't do it. So just a short while back, these very disciples, remember John comes with Jesus down that mountain and sees the whole thing, could not cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. And here a little later on, they're all upset because someone could do it. You see, they want to be the, the official, the real disciples of Jesus. I mean, that would be their like Twitter handle, right? At real disciples. We're the real deal, okay? We are authorized. We've been commissioned. We're official. That guy over there, man, he's rogue. We don't know who he is. What right does he have to use the name of Jesus? He's not been with you during this time. He's not seen all these miracles and heard all this teaching. He knows something about you, but, but he's not part of the official followers of Jesus. And that makes us uncomfortable, Jesus. How does Jesus respond? Verse 39. 
I'm glad you shut him down. No, it doesn't say that. Don't stop him. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. If you, if you can do a miracle in the name of Jesus, there is real faith present. That doesn't happen by accident. Jesus' name is not some kind of magical incantation. Jesus' name is not abracadabra. Jesus' name is powerful, and it's powerful for people when they have faith in that name and in the one who stands behind that name. And so Jesus is saying, hey, this guy's the real deal. This guy's a true believer. And there's no way he's going to perform a miracle in my name as a believer, as a person of faith, and then in the next moment say something bad about me. He gets it. So don't shut him down. And then Jesus quotes an aphorism that was pretty popular in the ancient world. In fact, we read Cicero said the same thing. Verse 40, for whoever is not against us is for us. Jesus says, you, you got the wrong idea. You shouldn't be so trying to shut down this guy who's, who's in with us. I mean, he's trying to do the same thing we are when, when there's plenty of people out there who are against what we're doing. Let's deal with those people. And let this guy keep doing what's right. Because you see, this guy recognizes good and evil. And he recognizes what the kingdom of God is about. And he's bringing about the good it's a part of the kingdom of God. He gets it. Verse 41. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Even the person who can't perform a miracle, even the person who, they're so basic in what they have available to them, that the only thing that they've got is a cup of water to give you. They don't even have any food, no money. They've just got a cold drink. That person, that person is blessed by God. That person is noticed by God. And you can't push that person away. And it doesn't matter whether they're part of the sanctioned official group. It doesn't matter exactly their experience. What matters is the faith that they put in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that teach us? It teaches us to find the common ground. You see, that's what the disciples were missing. Even though this person has faith in the same Jesus that they did, even though this person is doing the same kinds of things that they had attempted to do and failed just a little bit ago, even though they understood the kingdom in a similar way that God was breaking in and doing powerful things and bringing about good, they found a way to be divided. And Jesus says, find the common ground. So that you can do the work together. And I think that's a great message for us. Because we are so good at finding the divisions. 
And so how does that relate back to us? What, what does that mean for us as we bring this series to a close and we're thinking about how we're so divided? What does that say to us? Well, first, as we're thinking about other Christians, other people of faith, other people who believe in the powerful name of Jesus, what does that say to us? Well, you know, even with those people, we can find ways that we disagree. We can find ways that we look in this book and don't understand some things in exactly the same way. That happens. Okay, we know that. And it may be that we understand some politics different. Lots of things that we may see differently. But if someone has faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son and their Lord, then I've got a place to start with them. I've got common ground with them. If our starting point is faith in Jesus Christ, then we've got a place to have a conversation We've got a place where we can begin to do some work together. We may disagree on a lot of stuff, but if we agree on Jesus Christ and who He is, then we've got the most important thing in common. And there's a place to do work together. So we've got a choice there. We can sit around and identify all the things that we disagree with about salvation theory, or we might, uh, we might talk about all the things we disagree with about how the Spirit is at work. We can talk about the ways that we disagree about how people should worship, all those things. We could sit around and do that, or we could say, you know what? We've got faith in Jesus Christ. Let's do something together to make a difference. And it strikes me that just a few weeks ago, right after the tornado, in this very building, okay, in our fellowship hall, we had that event that was sort of hosted by the Red Cross, the MARC event, Multi-Agency Resource Center, right, for people who were affected by the tornado. And in our fellowship hall, sort of trying to help people who were affected, you had organizations who were providing aid from the Southern Baptists, from the Lutherans, from the Churches of Christ, from a couple of independent sort of Christian groups. You had you had ministers from our own town, from the Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church and the Disciples Church. And then we were all there, right? What did that say to our community? They know all of these churches are not the same. I mean, it wouldn't take but a few minutes in worship to see that we do some things different. But what it said was, when there's a crisis, when bad things happen, Christians show up. And I think that's what we need to be and what we need to do. We need to show up. And we need to show up together. Now, we could have said, you know what, I don't know about this. And they're a little different from us. And what good would it have done? Are we going to be divided or will we find the common ground? Now, in some ways, that's the easy stuff. Okay? But what about as we look around in our culture and there are people that we are divided from in more basic ways? Maybe people who don't have faith in Jesus Christ, who see things very differently than we do. What do we do in those settings? It is harder, there's no doubt. 
But you know, I think what we can do as Christians and what I see Jesus doing when he encountered people who were really different from him, and we've sort of followed this all the way through the series, was he found ways to show compassion. He found ways to speak kindness and encouragement into the lives of the people around him. And we can do that. Now, they may push back. They may want to have nothing to do with us just because we wear the name of Christ or because of our, you know, the, the place where we hold our citizenship or the color of our skin. It may be lots of things that people push back from. We can't always control that. But what we can do is show the love of Christ wherever we are. And sometimes that opens up the door. And we can have conversation. And maybe we get to talk a little bit about who Jesus is. And that may sometimes be the best that we can do. But when Christians are known for kindness and encouragement and service, there's hope that we get to do more. So I think when we look at these passages that we've discussed over the past few weeks, we recognize that if we find the common ground with other Christians and with other people, there's hope for talking about Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, it's never easy when we have conversations with people who when we're sharply divided over something, Christian or not. Jesus was willing to have those conversations. Jesus obviously encouraged his disciples to find ways to work with people that they weren't necessarily excited about working with. With people who shared faith but weren't part of their group. With people who were of a different racial group. We talked about that as well. It's up to us. Will we sort of always push back and find the differences and point them out and make people feel like, man, why do you believe that crazy stuff? Or will we find the common ground that allows us as Christians to proclaim the name of Jesus because of the way we treat people and because of the way we help people? Let's pray together. And we're thankful for the example of Jesus. And God, we do pray that through the power of Jesus, you'll be at work in sometimes in our families, sometimes in churches and communities, and even across the globe to heal divisions that we have created. And we know lots of people are resistant to this. They encourage the divisions. They like the divisions. They revel in the divisions. God, help us not to be those people. And God, help hearts to soften where they need to. And the kindness that you created within us to show through. We know in some ways that would take miraculous changes of heart. But we know you work miracles. So God, we pray that all that in Jesus' name. Amen.